I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of All Things Policy. I'm Suman, your host for today. I'm joined by my colleague Shambhavi, and today we are discussing something that is in equal parts fun as well as thought-provoking. Hi, Shambhavi. Welcome. Hi, Suman. Also controversial, if I might add. It's not controversial, but oh, you think it's controversial. Yeah, there mm-hmm. can be different mm-hmm. opinions on the topic. Yes. So about the topic itself, a few weeks ago, Shambhavi brought up the topic of sustainable fashion and its implication for policy on econ- uh, on economies around the world. We thought we could put this out in discussion format, just so that all our listeners have something to reflect upon. Firstly, Shambhavi, what got you talking, thinking about this? Yeah, we hear the term sustainability and everything and fashion is everywhere around us. So where did this begin actually? What got you thinking about this? Right. So there were two things that kind of happened in parallel in my life. One, as you know, one of our colleagues decided to shun fashion as we think about it generally and uh, decided to wear the same set of the same pattern of clothes, I should say that, yeah. Same, same pattern of clothes every day to work. And after a few months, I was like, why Why are you doing this? And they said that, oh, it's because it saves decision time in the morning. At the same time, I was part, at the same time, I was part of the Think20, which is one of the idea banks of the G20 presidency. And there we were having a conversation on lifestyle for environment, uh, which is a new track that was introduced by India. And there the idea of sustainable fashion and we need to kind of temper consumption of temper overall consumption, fashion being one of the areas uh, came up. And that's how I actually started thinking about, hey, for me, sustainable fashion till now has been sustainable sourcing. Uh, It has been controversial because there has been considerable greenwashing by labels uh, as well on what they call sustainable fashion. But for me, sustainable so far was at the supply end. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was seeing two examples of an individual and a state trying to now bring in ways to temper consumption. And that that got me thinking. Then I started reading about people. Obviously, it's not not a new thing. I think uh, one of the most iconic people who has done this is uh, Steve Jobs who used to wear the same black turtleneck shirt and jeans. If you think about it, we all have done it at some point of time in our lives when we want uniform to schools. And so I was reading about why people might choose to do something like this. Right? And like my colleague, first thought process was, it's going to save time in the morning. It saves time and effort. There's something called decision fatigue that is now seems to be trending because mm-hmm. we have to make so many decisions because there are now so many consumer choices that are available to us. It is to help with decision fatigue. It saves energy. It saves time. It is less stressful in the morning. Also, it helps you, you know, because you don't have uh, 10 things to have prepared in the in the week it's, it's less stress it saves money and it's less less waste so what we know for example is that the average consumer throws about 31 kilos of clothing per year so it's kind of because you're using less you're going to waste less clothes as well and finally the point of an iconic look so something like steve jobs something if you think about it your cartoon your favorite cartoon characters usually wear the same clothes so there's that routine kind of sense to that and, and hence you have an iconic look 
Yeah, thanks for that. But I have a slightly different view on that, as you would know. Because firstly, I think clothes are part of your expression. While we may not, I mean, I'm not saying everybody goes on to defining themselves by the clothes they wear, but they are an important part of non-verbal cues that you give out as you step out of your home. It speaks about your personality. And therefore, I think it is important. I mean, I'm not saying that you spend all your time thinking about what you're going to wear or not, but I think it's an important part of how you put yourself out there. Right, which is quite interesting because I guess people who want to do this have argued the other. They actually say that choosing that one set of clothes is you making complete use of your agency. I think a lot of people who also decide to kind of go this route also like either design. I mean, obviously, if you're Steve Jobs, you get your favorite black turtleneck designed by a world famous designer. But because they put so much thought into what it is going to be, it is more true to self is how they would say it is. Whereas uh, for anyone who has seen Devil Wears Prada, their argument is that what you wear, what you go in a super mall, in a, in, a mall, in a mall and choose has actually been dictated down to you by a few global fashion houses. So it is not really your self-expression. It is the expression that these houses have told you based on your body type and your color would look good on you. So I, I actually found that uh, found that argument also quite interesting. I don't, I really don't know which side of this I am on. I, I am more on the how do we protect the earth mm-hmm. uh, right now. Uh, but I do understand that self-expression is, is very important. Sure, you are giving out part of your self-expression to brands, but it's still a choice amongst what you have. And yeah, if you choose to not be part of that thing, it's again your agency. You can choose to make your own clothes or you can choose to, you know, do the thing that you were saying, like, you know, Steve Jobs and wear only one thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other parts about saving time, decision making, all of it appears too flaky for me because... I mean, how much time are you going to save? And what are you going to do with that time that you saved? I have an answer for that second part of the question. It is sleep. Well, you're going to take the same amount of time. You're going to use the same amount of time to get dressed. Yeah, but I get your point. Okay. So yeah, those were my just few counter thoughts on that. So I'm clearly on the lack of uniformity. And imagine the world, everybody wearing just one color or each one choosing to wear just one color. I mean, for me, it's a very boring thing, but it's just like, I think it's just a personal choice. Yeah, but moving on from there. So how does this actually relate to using less? Even if you're using the same thing every day, you need that many number of clothes and you need, you know, you need to be, you will use them more often. And so you will need to replace them more often. You're still buying as many clothes as you need to. Of course, you can debate on the number of clothes each one has. I have clothes in my wardrobe that I have not worn for a few months. I probably never worn, but I plan to wear it at some point in time. So yeah, there are different shades of, you know, consumerism. There are different, there are different lines we draw as individuals to what this is. But really, the core issue remains how it impacts us as, you know, as citizens, how it impacts us, how it impacts the environment. And therefore, what does fast fashion do? So should we, I mean, again, we need to make a distinction between fast fashion, sustainable fashion versus being minimalist 
and or being consumerist, whichever way you want to go. So yeah, like we are moving over, moving on. What is fast fashion? Why do you think it is so, it's not as good? Right. So I think fast fashion in the sense that I have seen it now is where the shelf life of clothes has has kind of gone down. This I think has come with two two trends. One is the fashion industry, which obviously every season you have new new clothing that comes in, new fashion that comes in. And obviously people want to stay up to date on whatever is new in the market. And that I think for which you need people who can, who actually have purchasing power. As uh, economies have grown, economies have strengthened, people have got the purchasing power. You see that there is now an increased demand for clothing. Um, when I was uh, young, I used to remember this, uh, uh, women used to come with utensils and they used to take our old clothes and they used to give us utensils. I don't know where yeah. that kind of yes, yes. circular economy has, yeah, yeah, has disappeared off too. But every few months, we used to be able to kind of look at those that don't fit us anymore. And not fitting you seem to be the only reason for changing clothes, uh, not because they are now out of fashion, right? Also, uh, so the number of times we bought clothes through the year were very few. You know, yeah. clothes were yeah. something you bought on special occasions. Yeah, you used to wait for Diwali and then we go, we need to wear something new for Diwali and then, you know, do yeah. good Diwali shopping. Uh, so, yeah, but now it is the complex that I live in has uh, export surplus sale every kind of, every quarter. Someone yeah. will come with exports. So, Shopping, I think, has just become easier. And the problem that has led to is that because you have so much now supply coming in and we don't really have good man- waste management policies when it comes to disposal of clothing, that has created a huge waste which then goes into landfills. Right. So that is one problem. The other is obviously because clothing has now become much cheaper and much more available. It means the need, there's a higher demand for fabric, there's a higher demand for raw materials. And so, for example, cotton. And what we do because of that is that because we have such a high demand for cotton, we have about 16% of the world's pesticide use just goes into creating crops for fabric production. Right? 10% of world's carbon emissions uh, come from um, fabric production. Uh, and as all of those have increased, obviously, they have had impacts on the climate. The availability of uh, arable land, for example, for agriculture, wastewater effusions, and obviously carbon emissions. So that's on the supply side. And then obviously everything that has been created, three out of five of fashion items that are brought end up in landfill. Really moderate the fashion industry in some sense, where we don't want to be the, we don't want sustainable fashion to be so cumbersome that people end up greenwashing and not actually making an effect or this minimalistic view, which is not clearly not going to be acceptable by everybody. Uh, so what do we do either end, right? So that I think that is a very interesting sort of question. We can't do away with the fact that sustainable, that growth of the apparel industry, I think it is now about a $1.5 trillion industry. Accessories add another $92 billion. There are billions of jobs around the world uh, that the fashion industry provides. The whole economies that run on the apparel industry and the fact that the apparel industry can keep prices so low and therefore uh, demand so high. So interventions we make there are going to be difficult. They are going to be have to be incremental. Any uh, sudden harsh sort of action will end up impacting a lot of people. And that, I mean, life and death decisions for a lot of people, not not how, what do I wear to my work kind of decisions. So there, there is, it's going to be, 
a massive massive question to sort and this is just i mean the apparel industry right you are talking about then the going to spill over effects on farmers yeah. on the on well on the fashion industry photography transportation logistics construction so we have to think about all of those items stay tuned to all things policy we'll be right back after a short commercial break all of what you said about the cons of fast fashion is true i think one other thing that we have to look also at is the fast fashion industry is also known to be associated with exploitative and abusive labor practices right they're not paid enough or you know the working conditions and all of that but having said that what is also been found is that it has made clothes more affordable to a lot of people and it also kind of democratizes style of fashion what what you could see just one class of people wearing now everybody else has access to it and you can get you know those kind of things so it plays a a role on the psyche but yeah we need to see where we need to moderate this and what are the interventions at a societal level what are the interventions at the state level that we could think of to make this more you know sustainable in in the truest sense so from the societal part of you yes i think you know small nudges and push towards using more local or you know using less or using more often whatever however you want to put it will help again you need champions for that that would make it more but all the icons you see around you are don't seem to be championing right and uh, yeah from the state perspective there were some discussions that we had that said that if we price all of the inputs that go into making these things at their real price without subsidies then you would naturally the price of those products would increase and therefore demand would fall right but in a country where or in in economies where people are just about able to manage buying clothes for themselves is is that a viable alternative is that an option that is something that troubles me that's a question that i keep thinking about what would you think right let me as a first part of your question and then we'll go come to the second part so the whole can we nudge society to moderate use i i find it very interesting because from an evolutionary point of view if you think about it we're not born with clothes no animals are we are kind of the only kind of creature i think that you know fashions clothing and apparels i think at some point of time in response to elements of nature yeah, uh, moving out of yeah clothing seems to have come in probably in the colder climates uh, because to protect from cold fur etc or animal skin seems to have something that has developed and over time it actually seems to have developed then into an item of identity uh, religion of tribe of culture and eventually of a social standing right so now we see like the most iconic people not the most iconic people but the most famous people don't want to be caught in the same clothes twice and if they are it will suddenly be the news that oh the duchess of cornwall has worn the same dress twice oh my god right and then becomes news and i think that's kind of the practice that we want to really avoid rather than rather than encourage and you see that trickle down you see that as economies have progressed as people have come out of poverty and they can now actually purchase luxury items they want to 
right? They really want to be able to, they've seen this happen for ages. Uh, and as economies grow and people get purchasing power, then now also want to signal that we have got that social standing. And really the question is to how we will nudge away from that. I think when we were younger, Suman, it was quite common for us to wear our older siblings' clothes and our younger siblings to wear our clothes. Yeah. Now if I tell somebody, oh, let us get hand-me-downs, they'll be like, oh no, why? Hmm. Our child should be wearing new clothes. That we buy, right? And somehow it has become that social standing issue. It isn't really about the fact that the child will only wear it three times and then grow out of it anyway. So yeah. what does it matter? And I think that that kind of social nudging is going to be important. And that we have not really thought about quite as well. That just that really fashion is not it can be a sense of expression, but it doesn't have to be a sense of social standing in that in that sense, right? Coming to your other part, yes, I think the state, we discussed this idea that the state can bring in economic uh, measures to make sure that clothing is priced as it at real term prices. The problem with any shock measure obviously is that countries which depend on if a single country does it, it doesn't it wouldn't really make a difference, right? If yeah. India says that we are going to now start selling clothes at real time prices, the only people who will get affected badly is the clothing industry, the apparel industry in India. Uh, yeah. because everywhere else things will still be cheap and India will, Indians will just buy cheaper clothes everywhere from from elsewhere. So A Getting a global consensus on this is going to be very difficult. B is the people who, who who actually need clothes, right? I remember at a discussion, I said that even in the roti, kapda and makan, kapda is the center. So clothing really is the center of life right now. So uh, that remains an issue. Uh, and I think going back to the idea of this circular economy of having more clothes, clothes being donated is something that we really have to operationalize. Something that, you know, the whole idea that you would get that free utensil Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was so alluring. Yeah, true. <laughs> but it was exciting. No, we used to wait for this lady to come. And yeah, on their heads, they would carry that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think money would have made the same kind of impact yeah. as, as getting like a free. Yeah, if, like, if a store says you will get a cash back on the clothes that you return, or mm-hmm. I don't think there will be too many takers. Or I don't know how attractive that that part of the scheme would be. Although I have seen, I have heard, I have read about things like that, but clearly it has not picked up in popularity, which means no. it's not enticing enough. The other way is I think in plastic industries, they have it where the disposal of the or some of the plastic mm-hmm. bags, etc. they made, the, the disposal is the duty of the manufacturer. So they actually have these buyback policies so that you can get, say, you can, there's a per kilo rate and then they dispose it off properly. So that's a, Oh, yeah. If you put the onus back on the producers or Mm -hmm. the retailers to Mm -hmm. collect old clothes and, you know, sell or make use a reasonable enough way to, you know, either recycle or just, you know, destroy them, whatever, would that change anything? It would increase costs of compliance, definitely. But is that something that we are willing to, uh, you know, put on them? To ensure that we have some kind of thing going back, you know, in terms yeah. of research. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that we, we don't know currently the cost that we are paying for, for fast fashion. True. Yeah. So we leave, I mean, at this point, we don't have answers or we don't have direction in which this should go. But these are definitely a few thoughts or some things that our listeners can ponder over. And maybe they can write back to us about what they think about this. So, yeah. so we can close here right now. And let's hope we find a solution to or find a balance to being sustainable versus 
I mean, I don't even know if it's a binary being sustainable versus being, you know, more inclusive or being more, or what do you call it? Being more expressive. Moderate. Moderate. Yeah. Where is the line of moderation that we would like to draw is something that each one of us should think about. Yes. And now when I open a new tab to shop for something, I will keep these things in mind and hope other people will also do. Thank you so much, Tambari. Thank you for being on this. And we'll see you again another time. Thank you. Thank you. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in. Hey, hey, it's been another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On All Things Policy, Ananya Desai and Rohan Pai discuss recurrent bans on fireworks during festive seasons in India and discuss possible solutions to tackle India's air pollution problem. On the Habit Coach podcast, Ashton Doctor welcomes Sahil Mehta, an esteemed mountaineer and author of the book Break Free. Sahil shares a transformative experience which became the catalyst for embracing discipline and fulfillment. The episode explores the profound impact of vulnerability on personal growth. Folks, if you like our shows, do spread the word. Tell your friends and don't forget to rate and review them wherever you're listening to them. Follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. You'll also find all our shows on YouTube at youtube.com slash IVM Podcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. Omidyar Network India, Abbott, IDFC First Bank and Save Life Foundation. Thank you for making this possible.